Can you tell I'm ready for my kids to go back to their final year of preschool with the fact that we're opening up the fast lane? And I'm quoting my son, Willem. His name's William, but everybody at school calls him Willem, including his brother, James. Still working on the full pronunciation, which is kind of cute and fun uh, for those around him and for those that may not be. You may not care, and I get that. Everyone cares about their kids uh, way more than the general public probably does. But the reality of this matter is that he comes up to me often when he asks me to do something for him. And he goes, Daddy, you're doing it all wrong. And that's where you're doing it all wrong if you're a fan and you're assigning blame for the way college sports is shaping up right now. See, I don't dispute that it's hypocritical, for folks like SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey to bemoan the state of college athletics by criticizing it. Never mind that you kind of got us here to a certain extent with realignment when you strategically added Oklahoma and Texas. I don't bemoan how ridiculous it is, how stupidly absurd it is, that Notre Dame is bemoaning that poor little Stanford and Cal may not have a conference home and they're great academic institutions and should be part of the ACC But we don't think enough of the ACC to actually join the conference ourselves to finally put an end to a lot of this uncertainty and madness by declaring our own intentions. I mean, it's the height of arrogance from Notre Dame to have that attitude. And they can afford to. I'm not disputing that. But it's 100% the height of that. And then there's the fact that there are people that forget this. There there are two sides to this. Schools believe they're going to have to pay more for players. In order for that, they're chasing more money. But they've always been doing it. It's been a habit for them. For an eternity, really. It's been part of it. But if you're just sitting here blaming athletic directors or school presidents, to quote my five-year-old son, Willem, you got it all wrong. See, here's the thing. If you're going to put blame on this, and I don't know if you really blame anyone so much as just view this as a reality. One is the obvious place we've placed so much of this blame, which is the NCAA itself, which does go back to the member institutions because they've never taken any leadership. Schools may need to have more money to pay players inevitably, but they were absent for 20-plus years with the idea that this was trending in this direction in some form or fashion. 30 to 40 years with the reality that players have been getting paid under the table for years, and there's been some kind of market for it. And much like plenty of things in our great country, I'll get political for a second here, we're way too late to actually realize where we need to be placing our priorities and energies in certain areas. And this is just one example. It's a sports-based example. But the truth is, if you want to blame someone on the school side of things, then go further up the totem pole. Because see, theathletic.com has this idealistic survey or thought piece that's out there of whether conference realignment is good for the health of college sports. I'll, I'll brush back, and the obvious answer is it's it's not for a lot of athletes, but I'll brush back even further. Does it matter? Because you're doing it all wrong, and you're looking at it the wrong way if that's in fact the stance that you're actually taking on this. Because going a step further... Let's realize who's actually making these decisions, where all of this actually originates, what's causing us and has caused us, frankly, to get to this point. See, if you're sitting there blaming those people, here's the reality. You've got 
athletic directors who answer to the school president. So you could blame the school presidents. But going a step further, the school presidents have been tasked with the idea of finding the best financial decision and situation for a university. Because they don't answer to the faculty the way that some faculty members might think. They don't answer to the fans and the alumni the way that people might think. For the most part, school executives answer to one group and to one group only. That's the board of directors. Uh, Look, a long, long time ago, I was involved in a couple of people that inquired about certain business opportunities. And the idea was to have a board of directors. And they wanted me to have a minority share. And and my parents were like, no, 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 no. If you're getting involved in this type of stuff, you need to be in control of the situation. Because without it, somebody on the supposed hypothetical board of directors could really just be the controlling voice and know how to play everyone in the room and get everyone on the same page for their particular agenda and it could freeze you out. One of the best bits of advice I've ever gotten. And I've clashed with my parents on a lot of situations, but my dad does know business and has been in those situations before and I'm blessed to have heard that theory from him because it, it certainly seems like it's held up. But the reality is, is you can blame athletic directors, but they answer to school presidents. You can blame school presidents... But they answered the board of directors. See, the school presidents, as it relates to the school, are kind of like the commissioners of a sports league. We'll throw NASCAR aside because it's kind of a benevolent dictatorship, if you will. But in the NBA, the NFL, the Major League Baseball, and the NHL, the commissioner gets all the heat, like the school presidents do. But in truth, their job is to take the heat from the board of directors who really have the authority and power. Much like the commissioners in a sports league, their objective and job is to be paid very, very well to take the heat from those whom they actually serve. And another angle to this comes from the fact that in this week's edition of Sports Business Journal, executive editor Abe Madcor, who is very, very good at running what I think is one of the more premier organizations when it comes to accruing practical sports knowledge and putting it together does have a little bit of an idyllic taste on things. I completely disagree with Abe Madcor on the idea that the NBA's play-in tournament or this, the excuse me, the in-season tournament coming up is this great idea. I think it's the dumbest idea out there designed to mask load management. But when players are getting paid $20 million a year, what is a $500,000 reward going to do for them when they really care about the $20 million reward over the course of a season? Uh, you know, it's putting lipstick on the pig that is the stench of the NBA's regular season. So I disagree with Abe Madcor in that regard. But I'll also go a step further and throw this out there. His comment in his latest piece, quote, I have often wondered if today's college presidents are a help or hindrance when it comes to college sports. Madcor continues, well, I know the answer. My frustration reached a tipping point as leaderless conferences unraveled under the weight of realignment and contraction earlier this month. I'll pause right there, but there's more from Abe Madcor, the SBJ executive director, in a moment. And again, He's very well respected. But if you're talking about leaderless conferences, oh, are they really leaderless, Trey? Or are they very well led? They're not led by the people you think lead them. It's not really Greg Sankey or the SEC presidents leading those schools. It's not Tony Petiti now and formerly Kevin Warren leading the Big Ten schools. Nor is it Brett Yormark and formerly Bob Bowlesby or the presidents in that conference leading those schools. It's the television executives who similar to the board of directors at school, often answer to shareholders. And those people are not motivated by the health of the sport, the health of the student-athletes, mental health or education or anything else. Those people get to that point to have that level of power 
to where they can have that level of influence because they are driven by, in the famed words of our guy, Mr. Brilliant Model himself, Kenny Powers. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And then to build on what Abe Madcourt had to say, frankly, I'm more baffled than ever that these leaders, school presidents, and conference commissioners, who know little about the sports business are the ones making the key sports decisions affecting their institutions, conferences, athletes, and fans. You know, to finish off what Abe Madcourt mentioned earlier, I'm not baffled at all by that. I mean, look, I get it. He's got a lot of businesses. You're not running a respected, very, very well-sourced organization like Sports Business Journal without the skill set that Abe Madcore has to bring that up. He's phenomenal in that role. That organization is at the top. We've had their guests on previously. Adam Stern for Motorsports, Eric Prisbull, Michael Smith. They cover he covers college sports himself. But here's the thing. You can blame the school presidents all you want, but they're really just answering to the board of directors. They're answering to those people in charge. The conference commissioners answer to the school president, so de facto they answer to the board of directors. And what are the board of directors really saying? Go with who's going to bring you the most. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Which is the conference commissioners. Look, if I can sit here and figure this out without having any kind of prestigious MBA, with having gone to Rhodes College, a very good, smaller college out there, but doing so not on the heels of some high level of brilliance, but more on the fact that you know, you're know you putting some common sense and street smarts into this, then plenty of other people can figure this out. But here's the thing, Trey. The reality is, is if you want to blame people in college athletics, you can look at the people that are the public figureheads in this, but the reality is, is they're merely puppets, very well compensated, I might add. Plenty of people would take that opportunity, sure. But they're acting on the directive of people that control the dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And who have the ability to have the power. And it goes back to that... <laughs> It goes back to that photo that we've got at the top of Fast Lane Edlane, our Twitter handle, where you can chime in there, or Fast Lane Edlane, Facebook and Instagram, or Trey Law VT, Twitter and Instagram. But that Oregon, the, the guy who heads up the Board of Trustees, or whatever they call it, at the University of Oregon, they're making a decision that is going to impact so many in that athletic department and in that school by bolting on the Pac-12 for the higher travel Big Ten. And where is that guy? He's not even in the Zoom call in an office. He's not even faking it till he makes it. Although maybe he is in the bunker of the hole in the golf course where he was golfing. But that's where he is. I mean, look, that's what we're dealing with here. People want to have this belief in sports that you're dealing with people that have the same values that you have. When in reality, most of the people that have these values and beliefs, it really just boils back down to the same thing again and again. And you get into that position of power by caring about it as much as anything. And you know, I reference what Bob Rathman, veteran ACC broadcaster, said when he was with us last week in the fast lane where it is, in fact, all about the, in the immortal words of Kenny Powers, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Ed, you must understand that no matter how much money a college or a university makes and Look at the ACC last year. They made more money for their athletic departments than they've ever made in their history. And it is not enough. More is never enough in college athletics. And unless that changes, and I, I've never seen it change in my lifetime, this will continue. I don't really think NIL has anything to do with it. Bob Rathman, veteran ACC broadcaster, last week in the Fast Lane at Fast Lane Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts. And now you can ask Alexa in your home, 
stream WIQO Radio, stream CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg, and play the Fast Lane with Ed Lane podcast, and she can take care of that for you as well. See, Bob Rathman's 100% right. It's never enough. And you're talking about people that get into that position of authority. They don't often get into that spot because they care about the greater good. Oh, they can convince you they care about the greater good, but everything in the immortal words of Nino Brown from New Jack City, it's never really personal. It's just business. It's always business. Never personal. It's always business. You make hard decisions. They screw people over, put them in a compromised spot, cause them to be more unhealthy than ever before as the athletic intimates. I mean, the reality is that's the case, which is where you can remember that you may have no real authority when it comes to that, but you do have a sense of authority when it comes to your actual health because you can visit InsaneRadioDeals.com and get Crosswide Athletic Club three-month memberships for individuals, couples, and families at InsaneRadioDeals.com. And if you want to look even more healthy with how you present yourself, the Lotus Beauty Bar, gift cards are available there also at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Um, Now there are other topics that we get to address, including building upon this in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So while we have passed the August 15th deadline for Florida State to give their notice of departing the ACC after the 2020-2023-2024 season, the chest-beating in Tallahassee continues. And by the way, remember who's actually speaking out about this? It is the chair and other members of not the athletic administrative department, not the school president in his group, but the board of directors. Oh yes, who actually has the authority in this situation? Well, SBJ mentioning earlier today another area where they are spot on that FSU is still in a position where they might give notice just to leave in 2025, which could lengthen the school's runway on making this exit more complicated, contentious, costly, and litigious. All designed to expedite their exit by putting the ACC in a litigious situation. I'm sure the ACC could countersue Florida State to pay all of those legal costs, and I don't begin to know exactly how that thing would work out. But the ACC is keenly aware that Florida State is going to make it as difficult as possible in every way. And when you're talking about people making these cold, hard, calculated decisions, they're not going to consider this anything personal against the ACC. It's not personal, It's strictly business. It's not personal. Strictly business, as the Godfather says. And if FSU has to raise a stink and it makes the lives miserable of the ACC folks and those that are more loyal to that particular conference, that's the direction they're going. Heck, they're looking at venture capital money and public, and excuse me, major level financing, big bank financing. Do you think those people care about morals and ethics or do you think those people just care about, as we always know with our guy Kenny Powers, dollar, dollar, and making what they've been to believe a good investment. Speaking of good investments or not so good investments. Number four. ACC leadership is meeting again and continuing to speak on potential realignment talks. But one source has mentioned to Sports Business Journal that North Carolina Tar Heels Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham is, quote, the key administrator among the four, end quote, who are opposed to adding those Bay Area schools that fit so well, like Stanford and Cal. Could this be North Carolina saying, hey, we got as much power as anything? 
Because if you read between the tea leaves, a lot of people have mentioned Florida State and Clemson as teams that want to leave the ACC, and I'm sure there's truth to that, along with Miami from a how can we acquire as many dollar, dollar bills, y'all, to remain competitive with other schools that have more of those to dole out in some form to their players, either directly by making them employees or indirectly by soliciting their donors to contribute to name, image, and likeness groups and collectives so that that money can be funneled to those players. Well, Virginia and North Carolina are actually the two schools many have deemed to be the most desirable because they could take the losses in football, especially in the SEC. They could expand the footprint of the Big Ten or the SEC, and they are big enough brands to go into those conferences. Not shocking at all that that's the case, but the North Carolina Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham has gotten involved in this. Not really surprised by that either, because if you think about this in a bigger picture sense, hey, he can afford to step out and say this as well, because if anything, they can position themselves as, look, Florida State clearly wants to get out of the ACC, and Clemson's happy to ride those coattails, and perhaps Miami is as well. But we've always been loyal to this conference, but don't forget that we have as much power as possible. Now, inevitably, when certain schools start to realize they have greater power, flex, and want more dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Allocated their way because they have greater power, it never seems to end well. It was Southern Cal and UCLA who barked in the Pac-12 a couple of years ago, and eventually they bolted. Oklahoma and Texas, for a long time, were the key instigators in the Big 12, and eventually when they were ready to leave, they left anyway. Does anybody think this will actually stop the ACC schools from splitting off? No. But it does give you an idea of the actual pecking order. Number three. What's actually taking place when it comes to the world of sports, and football in particular, in the ACC? Virginia Cavaliers defensive end Chico Bennett has been sidelined since this past Saturday with a non-contact knee injury. He's been seen on crutches and a brace at practice within the last couple of days. Um, we mentioned this with Ahmad Hawkins, Virginia Cavalier football analyst for their sideline coverage and former UVA wide receiver who was with us yesterday. And that chat is up fastly, Ned, when we're you listen to podcasts. But, you know, I mean, I'll throw my two cents in here. Non-contact knee injury is always the thing that scares me the most. The fact that this is as delayed as possible could be because they're waiting for swelling to come down in the knee, but when you have that and there's no real word or update, it doesn't seem like there's any level of clarity or urgency. I do wonder exactly what this means for Chico Bennett and Virginia going forward. Now, if you're talking about position groups that maybe could you know, overcome this perhaps, and Virginia clearly has their holes and deficiencies elsewhere, but Bennett was a guy that was expected to contribute for Virginia very much this year. He's a guy they trotted out as a leader of the team at the ACC football kickoff. And our chat with him is at Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts. But the truth is, is for Virginia, the longer this goes on, the more skeptical, of course, I become. Uh, and I'm a little bit surprised that you don't have some clarity or answer on this, because when you're talking professional sports, this news is known fairly quickly, gets out fairly quickly, and teams move on a lot faster than Virginia seems to have done right now. Speaking of the Virginia Cavaliers, from holding off to going forward, number two, a story we didn't get to nearly as quickly, and that is Virginia men's basketball recruit Christian Bliss will reclassify from the class of 2024 and actually join the University of Virginia program this fall with the plan to redshirt the 2023-2024 season. I understand the skepticism that Virginia fans would have because you certainly saw Isaac Trout, the transfer who came in from the Midwest, redshirt for a year and then go back west and Virginia never got anything out of him. 
The way Bliss, though, has been doing almost a media tour of sorts, CavsCorner.com, JerryRatcliffe.com, and other publications, kind of seems like he's trying to position himself as being a leader of this team. Now, granted, when you're a point guard, that's the case, but I would be more surprised if he ends up going that particular route. I think, if anything, it's a good thing for Virginia. you got a fairly highly talented recruit. This guy's big, too. He's like 6'3", 6'4", inches tall, and you know, let's just say that's a little overestimated, and it's 6'1", 6'2". That still is a good size for a point guard, particularly when Virginia's had some undersized point guards in their prior tenure. I like this move quite a bit for the Virginia Cavaliers to get him on campus because a year of redshirting with Mike Curtis, one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country, we know what that can do, and it can certainly position a guy to be a key contributor in the years going forward. Hey, if you got an extra scholarship, this is a very creative way for Virginia to go ahead and allocate it for the upcoming season. And number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. Liberty Flames. Radio broadcast this year will sound a little bit different because administrator and supporter Jason Porter will now be part of their broadcast team as an analyst. Joining Alan York, who is the play-by-play broadcaster, Nick Pierce as well, who does sidelines and helps head the pre- and post-game coverage, and of course, our guy from our Covering the Commonwealth segments, Jason Prill, in the studio for in-game updates. Um, you know, I, here's my two cents on this. I, you know, Liberty's done this quite a bit, where it's administrative people that have been involved in the process. On the one hand, this is my personal bias coming out. I would always rather a former player or coach take on that analyst role. And I understand some schools don't do that in part because you're putting people in administrative roles out there in public facing positions to make sure that they are more well-known and connected with people that could potentially be donors. So I completely understand that if it's part of the strategy at Liberty, nobody has conveyed that to me one way or another. Jason Porter is extremely well-spoken. He's been a contributor for a while now to the A Sea of Red podcast and has been very good in that particular role. Just in my personal bias, I would love to rather, I would rather it be a former player or coach, particularly for Liberty University. Uh, But I can also throw this out there. Given how much change has happened with the coaching staff in the last handful of years, uh, particularly with a lot of Hugh Freeze's guys leaving and Jamie Chowell bringing his guys in, and frankly, players departing from the program as well, I don't have an obvious candidate that would jump to my mind right now. Now, give it a year or two, and we mentioned this yesterday, but a guy like Brandon Schlittler, who's also been on the A Sea of Red podcast, uh, if he wanted to get in the analyst role, I'd love to see him in this type of role. But he's helping as a, a, you know, he's on scholarship as a football player this year, but he's out for the year, but he's helping coach the team right now. And if that's the route he wants to go, that's the route he wants to go. But there have been a number of other guys that would fit this description theoretically, but a guy like Javon Scruggs, you know, he's very well-spoken and is a good leader for Liberty, but he's pursuing a professional career. I don't think he's quite ready for this role. So while I would love to see that because I'm, I'm biased towards former players or former coaches or both being in the booth, and yes, selfishly, that's a route that we've taken with our Jefferson Forest High School football games presented by TrostLaw.com. And you'll notice that with the East Coast Wings and Girl Tailgate show at 6.30 next Friday once again, because 
former coach Rick Kennedy is our broadcast partner once again. We go that route. You can go the former player route. That's my preference. Jason Porter is very well-spoken. He is very knowledgeable. And they are adding an in-the-booth video stream segment, which is a pretty cool way to engage with fans. So I get it. I don't think it's necessarily a setback. I don't have an obvious who they should bring in candidate. This is more of a selfish, hey, here's how I see these things from my slightly, maybe jaded, but certainly biased perspective. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. And to go a step further off the Fast Five at Five-ish and to build off that preconceived bias, Mike Burnup, a former tight end for the Virginia Tech Hokies and a longtime football analyst, he'll join us next in the Fast Lane to give us his insight into what he's seen so far from training camp. All of that still to come, as well as into the weeds, a little NASCAR talk, and some of your feedback a little bit later. But Mike Burnup steps into the fast lane next, talking some hokey football on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. And if you miss it, fast lane, Ned Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts.